Hi folks, Eric here. I just wanted to give you the heads up that we do have some audio issues in today's episode. The worst of it only lasts for a few seconds, and it is distracting and annoying, I know. But we do our best to bring you a quality podcast and good discussions every week, so hopefully it doesn't detract from the conversation that you're about to hear. Thank you as always for your support. Now on to the episode. Hello and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winklespecht. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. Before we start today's conversation, we just want to remind everybody that we want to hear from you. We've got a number of ways that you can reach out and connect with us. You can reach out to us on either our individual LinkedIn pages or our self-taught devs LinkedIn page. If you're not following there, please go give that a follow. If you want to Give a response to the Q&A that's on Spotify, if that's where you're listening. Each episode has a Q&A that you can give your thoughts about the episode, and we can address those and talk about that on the show. Or if you want to leave us a rating and review, Apple Podcasts lets you give a written review, like this one from Louisoid73. It's a five-star rating. This is very worth a listen. This is immensely helpful for anyone on their journey while learning web development, regardless of if they're just starting out or actively interviewing for their first role. Matt and Eric offer a lot of good insights from their journeys and have good conversations with their guests about their own respective journeys and current careers in software development. Big thank you for that. And of course, we've got Patreon, which we'll talk more about at the end of the episode, but you can connect with us there as well at patreon.com slash selftaughtdevspod. Matt, what are we talking about today? Well, Eric, recently I've been taking CS50, Harvard CS50's Introduction to Computer Science course, and... I have some thoughts on the course. It's been interesting so far. There are there have been some challenges, some things that I kind of caught on to very quickly and also some challenges. And I know you were particularly interested in hearing about how the course is going. I am very interested. First question is, how does it feel to be a Harvard man? Feels amazing. <laughs> I just uh, now I just walk around and tell people, you know, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Matt. I'm taking a Harvard course. No, just kidding. <laughs> It is very, it is very cool that that is just an easily accessible course, right? Because it's totally free, right? I'm not, I'm not misremembering that. No, it's 100% free from start to finish, and you do get your your Harvard certificate at the end, so you don't mm. have to pay anything. Now, uh, before I ask more questions about it, can we can we kind of set the stage for folks that maybe haven't heard of CS50? Like, what what is it all about? How do you get there? How did you learn about it? Let's start with just the what is it first. What is Harvard CS50? Yeah, well, actually how I heard about it was listening to another podcast and I was exposed to it very early on. I think um, early in my my software career, like all, sometime in 2022, I was just listening to somebody discuss the course and I was like, that sounds way too difficult for me. There's no way I'm starting there. Uh, but I always had this interest. I'm like, well, this sounds pretty interesting. Um but not really for me right now. And I really just wanted to get into like the front end stuff, like the visuals, the UI, and that's really where my interests lie. But more recently, I wanted to explore some of the computer science fundamentals, which I didn't really get in a lot of my other courses or learnings. And that's when I decided to look up the course and explore what it had to offer and when I realized that there was no actual commitment needed for the course, you could start at the beginning of the year and you could end, you know, in December and that was okay. It wasn't timed 
and it was free, I decided, you know what, I'll just go for it. I could learn at my own pace and I don't have to have like assignments sent in every single week. So that's what really prompted me taking the course. So where do we find Harvard CS50? Uh, Is it just on harvard.com? Like how would I get there if I was interested in checking it out? Well, Eric, you do a Google search for Harvard CS50 <laughs> Introduction to Computer Science, and eventually it will just take you there. It's very, it's that easy, right? This, they made the sign-up process very simple, um, and you could literally just find it through your Google search. Mm-hmm. All right, so low barrier to entry. Uh, what, what is this course? Because I know you haven't done the whole thing at this point, so we'll level set that. Yeah, so... Um, the, there are about 11 weeks worth of actual coursework. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to get it done, of course, within 11 weeks. But each week involves a different topic, um, and that consists of usually a two-hour video, a YouTube video from the instructor. I believe his name is David, and he is an amazing instructor, and the course is very lively and not, a, not boring, right? It's very interactive. And along with that, there are practice projects, and there are assignments as well. And besides the assignments and the YouTube video, there are different, there are like written lectures, and there are even like sub videos. So there's videos describing the main topics in the one large video. So you get a lot of instruction and a lot of different resources to explore for actual learning purposes before you even have to partake in completing the assignment and it's in that format for each week now the first week was i believe it was scratch which for those of you who don't know it's basically writing a program by clicking together pieces of a puzzle so let's say a for loop a for loop would be one piece of a puzzle and a while loop and if and else statements and basically anything, all of the main basics that you need for programming, they were all pieces of a puzzle that you would connect together to create a running program. And it was a really good introduction for anyone, let's say who doesn't know anything about programming. You don't actually have to write any code. You just put the pieces together. And that kind of gets your, your mind started on how programming works. And that was the first week. I believe the next week was learning in C. That was pretty interesting. I was able to get through the first three weeks because I had, I already have all this programming knowledge. And there were a a few moments where I thought it was um, a bit difficult. But overall, it was pretty, pretty simple for me to get through. And I think it's only because I had that previous programming knowledge. If I was coming at this course completely new, I 100% would have found it way more difficult. After that, there was algorithms, memory, and then data structures. And that's as far as I've gotten so far. Okay. So we're going to say probably potentially not the best starting point for somebody who's just getting into programming, right? It seems like that might not be the best way to jump into the topic. Maybe that first lesson of the of the the puzzle pieces you were talking about about scratch might be helpful, but might not be the best curriculum for someone to just get started is what it sounds like. I would say it depends, of course, right? And mm. it, it depends on <laughs> yeah, it depends the the programmer's answer. It really depends on the individual. The, based on the way that I learn, 
I would not recommend this course to myself to begin with. It has all the information that you need for computer science fundamentals, but mm -hmm. I tend to learn things maybe a little bit slower and spread out. I wouldn't have started off with this course. Now, for others who learn differently, it might be a great starting point for you because, again, all the, the fundamentals, all the information is there. So it really depends on the person. Now, you, you did say, too, like, based on the way that I learn, and we had an episode on learning a few episodes back, which, you know, you've said there, and I think you said to me a few times before, you don't find the ability to, like, sit in a lecture and learn something. That's not something that comes easily. I don't feel that way either. Like, I can't sit in a lecture and just immediately absorb all that information and be like, I learned this thing. So you did say it was, like, hours of video content on this thing. But you also mentioned it being interactive. So what are those, how do those two things meet? Like, is it really heavily lecture based? What are the interactive components and, and you know, what, what do you like about how this presented and what do you not like about it? Now, I can't say about the entire course, but based on what I've taken so far, each lecture has been two hours. And what I like about the course is it's not like how when I went to college, there'd be just some person standing in the front of uh, the room, very monotone, just kind of speaking at you. The instructor here is um, has a very big, vibrant personality. He's moving all over. He's actually using like props and things to represent like the idea. And that keeps it a bit interesting. But keep in mind, it is a two hour video. So that part itself isn't very interactive and it does move very quickly. You know, two hours doesn't seem like, you know, a quick video, but the pacing of the video is very quickly. Outside of that, all of the notes for the lecture are, are printed in a document. And this is for each lecture, each week's lecture. And then there are smaller videos that go over the main topics of the larger video. There are also little, little programs or little projects that are kind of like practice projects. And then there are two main assignments, all of that within each week. So I would say like the interactive parts are like the practice projects, really just getting you up to speed and learning. Whereas, um, you know, at the end, you would have like that, that assignment that you'd be graded on. Now, let's just for a, uh, a thought experiment here, because we have talked about various courses we have used before, in the course of recording self-taught devs and you and i have both had experience with the angela U course right which i forget the exact name of it but it's like the web dev boot camp whatever her course is can you compare cs50 and that type of video and in interactive format to what like angela U has in her you know udemy course yeah so i would say maybe the angela U course doesn't really go that heavily into computer science fundamentals, whereas this course is, is literally introduction to computer science. What I would also say about Angela Yu's course is it's maybe like a five or 10 minute video, then you're immediately getting into creating something. And then you'll get another five or 10 minute video, and then you'll you know do a little bit of coding and so on. This course is two hours, and then you kind of get into like the actual coding. Now, you can stop the video, of course, at any time and, you know, do whatever. But Angela Yu's course is more geared towards short bits of information than you do something on your own. And it's repetitive in that sort of way. And that's what I 
like to use to learn. That's how I learn the best. So that would be like one of the main differences. But you're finding this pretty effective it, regardless of the, the longer video format? Yeah, I do like it. Me, I personally don't have as much of a drive to learn computer science fundamentals and maybe like back end. But this course is because the instructor is really entertaining. It's helping me sort of get into that end and learn more. But um, yeah, I would say it's one of the best resources that I've found for exploring, let's say, less of like the front end and, and UI and visuals and more of that, more of those computer science fundamentals. I, I'm curious because, you know, you have historically been more front end focused, right? What about the way that they're teaching, you know, when it comes to like DSA? I don't know how deep into the DSA stuff you are, but like, how are they teaching it? How do how do you find if its effectiveness in, in helping you understand more about the structure of an algorithm or you know data structures in general? So what they're doing is using lots of visuals and props. And I think for one was like searching through an array. There was like a shelf with different, we'll call them objects, right? But they were, I think they were were like candles or lights or something. And you got to see visually how based on whatever you're implementing, how you would search through that array. Whereas like a lot of other courses just kind of, they show you, let's say like a text editor or or like VS code, right? And mm. they're just showing like the code that you would use to, to implement um, that sort of solution. Whereas in this course, you're getting an actual visual representation of what's going on. Um, so it's more visual, which I like, clearly. I love the visuals, right? And it's helping me learn more in that sense. I, I agree with you on when it comes to DSA, the stuff that always helped me the most when I was like, you know, in-depth studying it were the courses that had some kind of visual component and did, even if it was just like an illustration of, of what was going on or, you know, in this case, props, like anything that helps you understand the movement of data, even though, I mean, like nothing's physically moving, right? Well, bits are moving, <laughs> I guess, bits and bytes. But, you know, anything to help that visual visualization or that comes along with the visualization, I think really for me as well, solidified what I was working with. Because you're right, like when it's just like a text editor and you're just typing out code, I mean, you can follow along with code. You can memorize code if you really want to and memorize how to write certain algorithms. But like those things don't really help you, I don't think, when it comes to solving problems and using those techniques because... You know, a lot of things go over different types of sorting algorithms, I guess, right? But that's not really all there is to understanding DSA because you need to be able to figure out your own ways to handle data when things get a little more complex, right? Like you can probably use those kinds of algorithms. I haven't needed to write a sorting algorithm, you know, like like an in-depth or like a bubble sort during the actual job. But I have done a lot of stuff where I'm moving data around and need to be cognizant of like, well, how do objects work in memory? How do arrays work in memory? When I am sorting things, how do those things actually work? And like, you know, it's it's a, it's conceptual versus like actually having a memorization of a specific algorithm. Yes, and uh, they actually most of the algorithms that they use are actually sorting al algorithms. They do include they do include bubble sorts, um, but they they also explain like why. Each algorithm would be more useful depending on the situation that you would be using it for and based on what kind of data you have and how, let's say, information might be sorted within an 
an, an array already. And I think that kind of helps get you thinking about what the algorithm is actually doing. And just, it helped me understand algorithms a little bit better. It didn't, it wasn't like a full comprehensive list of like base, like every algorithm that you could use, right? But I think it took maybe five or six, maybe even seven, and really kind of took a deep dive to help you understand like, oh, well, this is why I might be use this. Oh, this is why I might use this for this situation, or I might use this algorithm for that situation. So I think in that sense, it helped me learn. Uh, I'm curious to hear how like coding goes for you, either while you're doing this course or after or whatever, because from my experience with learning more about DSA, it definitely helped me understand more like how the coding language functions and like what I have the capability to do, right? When solving problems, meaning like, I don't know, you understand your basics, like you have your Booleans and your strings, and then you understand what objects and arrays are. But once eventually you really understand how to manipulate data and move things around and like copy things or reorganize things or whatever, you get a lot more, I think, tools in your tool belt of like how to problem solve things that you run into when it comes to coding. You know, even if it's just as simple as like you're calling out to an API and you're getting that data back, you have to display that data in a very specific way. And it's very different than the data you're getting back from that API, right? Now you need to reorganize that data and move things around in order to actually get it to work the way you need it to work. Like that's DSA work. You know, it might not be the explicit like bubble sort like we've called out, you know, but when you're talking about, okay, I, I'm taking in this array of objects and now I need to pick out specific pieces from each of those objects and, and display them in a different way, not exactly as it's given to me, that's, that's the DSA work. And the better you understand how to do those things, the more quickly you can solve that kind of problem. So your question is how, how that's, how the course has allowed me to like understand data data structures and algorithms better or how to implement it in my own code yeah i guess that's that's the part that i'm curious about is like have you used this stuff yet have you thought about the problems you've been solving like you know in you and i have talked about a few different things you're working on like for your job you know to try to help improve different aspects of your job whether you've implemented this stuff or not you know you know the problems that you have been solving with those applications do you now kind of look at those things in a different perspective and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I think I can maybe handle this problem in a different way than I originally thought? Possibly. So I haven't completed, I actually haven't um, gone through the data structures portion of the course yet. So I've, mm. I'm up to the memory portion. Um, I've done the algorithms portion, but data structures is next. And one of my driving forces for actually taking this course was because I had an idea about an application that I would use on the job and that possibly my supervisors can use. And I wanted to make sure that it was efficient as possible, especially because it would include um, possibly authentication and it might even include someone's data that's not exactly too personal, but I wanted to make sure that I really had like a good understanding of CS fundamentals because I wanted to make the best application possible. And this would be a full stack application. So in that aspect, yes, it is helping me decide what is important and what are some things that I should consider even before creating the application. A lot of times when I was first starting, 
I just kind of just started building. And I was like, you know what? This application is going to take me wherever it's going to take me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see where that goes. For for this one, especially because it'll be used by actual people, I want to make sure that I'm planning properly, that I'm considering all things that I might come up with, um, especially because there's personal information that might be used within this application. So in that sense, yes, um, it helped me consider different things in my code going forward. But no, I have not used it in a project yet since taking the course. Hmm. You, you made a really cool point there that I don't want to let slide which is like you are planning out an application for real world use by real people versus your experience just making like personal projects and your approach is very different, which is really cool. And the problems you're going to run into are going to be very different. And the things you have to plan for are going to be very different. Um, Not entirely related to CS50, right? Not entirely related to DSA stuff, but just that as a conversation on its own, like, Maybe we can revisit that at some point in the future, but I really think folks need to keep that in mind, you know, when they're on the career change journey and trying to learn and build and and get their experience and job hunt that building projects and improving your technical skill when you have the perspective of I'm building this for real people and have to account for a lot of different types of situations you get a lot more out of that kind of project than like, I'm just going to make this for my, my GitHub profile or, or whatever. Um, so that's an excellent point. Yeah. I mean, personal projects are very low stakes. If you mess up, if you, you know, do something not too efficiently, if, if your project is crap, it doesn't hurt anybody, but I'm not creating, I'm not looking to create a personal project. I've already made a project that would be used on the job and is used by other people that was a mainly a front-end application and a routing application. This one would actually possibly take in some somebody's data. And I want to make sure like that I'm taking it a lot more seriously. Yeah, there are a lot more things to consider, right? There, it could be high stakes, possibly. And it's not as simple as just another personal project. Cool, man. Got anything else to add about CS50? I would say that this is a challenging course. I would also say don't hold yourself to a specific time frame for completing the course, right? This isn't something that you should really rush through. It is 11 weeks of topics, but that doesn't mean that you should tell yourself, okay, well, I have to complete this course in 11 weeks. Like I just have to, you don't, you could do one of the course topics per month. I mean, if that's how long it takes also a lot of the information Not all of it, but a lot of the assignments that you complete roll over to the next year. Um, So this isn't something that you need to rush to complete. Um, The certificate doesn't matter, right? It's the information that you're learning um, and the skills that you're building that actually matters. So don't just try to go through it saying, yeah, I'm going to get this certificate and put it on my resume. That doesn't matter at all. Just take your time, go through the course. If you struggle, good. You'll figure it out. It is a little bit difficult, but you'll get through it. Let's uh, wrap this thing up as we always do by talking about the Patreon. If you like what we do and want to help support us, number one, you can spread the word and tell a friend, recommend the show to somebody that you think might enjoy it. Number two, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash self-taught devs pod. We got some fun stuff there for you every month, including a monthly newsletter, a discord server, 
and a monthly episode just for our Patreon subscribers. And you get your name right at the end of every episode, just like these fine folks. A big thank you to Scott Lundgren, Nathan Elesquez, Stephen Sheaves, Camille Onoda, Leo Ashcraft, Roxy Rodriguez-Becker, Nick Romanishin, Matt Hoadley, Danielle Arnett, Vanessa Vaughn, and Danny McCollins. Thank you all so much for supporting the Self-Taught Devs podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you aren't already, please subscribe. We release a new episode every Friday. If you want to help us grow, please share this show with your network. Check the show notes for all of our links. Reach out and say hi. Email us at selftaughtdevs at gmail.com if you have a recommendation for a guest or a topic. Thank you for listening to Self-Taught Devs.